And welcome to the debrief on ABC News Live. I'm Kimberly Brooks. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be giving you the latest on those devastating wildfires that are blazing through Northern California. We're also going to give you the latest on that horrific mass shooting that happened in Thousand Oaks, California yesterday, a city that's also grappling with the wildfires now as well. And remember those midterms about three days ago? Well, there's a lot of confusion and we're going to get into those recounts. But before we do all of that, here are some other stories you should know. A vigil in Thousand Oaks, California, for the 12 people shot and killed Wednesday night inside a nightclub. The killer, honorably discharged Afghanistan combat experience Marine Ian Long, had a history of angry outbursts at home. However long the night, the dawn will break. And in the morning, we will be more loving, more compassion, more unified, and more full of hope. Because we are as the sign said as I pulled up, Thousand Oaks strong. The FBI is now trying to identify a man seen walking toward the home of a North Carolina 13-year-old who was kidnapped earlier this week. This individual may have information because as far as we can tell, he's the only person who's on foot at that time of day, that time of the morning in the area. Hania Aguilar has been missing since Monday. Federal public health officials have reported the first death in California in the ongoing salmonella outbreak linked to raw turkey. Changes could be coming soon for e-cigarettes. The FDA is expected to require that retailers put them in an area that's off limits. The new rules designed to slow the surge of vaping among kids will likely be announced early next week. So those fires are blazing out of control in Northern California. I want to go to Tom Yamas now, who's on the scene in Paradise, California. Tom, what's the latest there? Hey, everyone. I'm Tom Yamas in Paradise, California for ABC News Live. Behind me was what was the neighborhood pharmacy in this town in absolute ruins. It's hard to even make out this structure anymore. A massive wildfire swept through this town. The entire town's destroyed. The mayor has said it. Fire officials have said it. But the mayor says they will rebuild. Right now, it's just too dangerous for people to come back to see what's happened to their homes, to their cars, uh, maybe even to their pets. There's a thick smoke in the air. There's haze everywhere. And firefighters are still acting fighting this wildfire which is massive at one point reports had it moving as fast as 80 football fields a minute to give you a sense of how fast this wildfire was moving again a very dangerous situation here in Paradise California I'm Tom Yamas for ABC News Live Wow so Will Carr is also on the scene in Paradise and I want to I want to go to Will and see what's happening where you are Morning, Kim. We're seeing a real impact that this fire's had all over this area. We just saw four goats come up here. You often see this with fires, wildlife pushed uh, pretty much out of everywhere because everything in this area has burned to the ground. I want you to walk up here and you can see the sun has come up and it is this ominous blood orange sun overlooking all of this destruction. As we have gone throughout this community, we have seen hundreds of homes burned to the ground 
just like this. Many people didn't have much time to get out, only a matter of seconds before they could uh, jump in their cars and get out of here as these flames encroach. And you can feel the winds right now. We're in a red flag uh, warning. That's high winds throughout the course of the day, low humidity and bone dry brush, pretty much perfect fire conditions. As you walk along, we just see damage and destruction all over the place. Uh, this is what's left of one home. You can see the skeleton there of that washer and dryer in the debris. Besides that, it's really hard to make out what looks like was a beautiful home with a beautiful overlook um, behind us. So this is really devastating. Uh, once the sun has come up uh, yesterday, we were actually in the middle of these flames as homes were burning. It looked like Armageddon. You had home after home just going up in flames. Trees were catching flames. Those flames were shooting hundreds of feet up into the air. It was incredibly hard to breathe because the smoke was so heavy. The fire was so hot on your skin. There were propane tanks that were exploding. It was quite a dangerous situation, and we're not out of it yet. We're still uh, expected to have that red flag warning throughout the course of the day. And you can once again see we have these goats who are just kind of uh, following us at this point. They really don't know where to go at this point. It's unclear to me uh, if they were part of this property or they've just come out uh, because they have nowhere else to go because everything has either burned or is continuing to burn at this point. So it is still a very desperate situation. Kim. Thank you so much, Phil. Yeah, you got to be safe out there. And as you can imagine, with those scenes, a lot of people definitely would have to evacuate. So we have Carlos Herrera from KXTV, who is actually at one of those evacuation centers. Carlos, how are you doing and what's happening where you are? Well, people are definitely starting to wake up this morning. You can feel the tension, people not knowing what to expect, not knowing what is going on. I spoke to a man inside uh, this shelter earlier this morning. He tells me he doesn't know anything about his family. He doesn't know if his home is okay. He just doesn't know what to think at this point. More than 300 uh, evacuees are inside of this church here in Chico. Right now, they are actually uh, serving breakfast. They've been given uh, warm drinks, water, blankets, sweaters, and counseling services as needed. But again, this shelter is one of three here in Chico that is already at capacity. And Carlos, when, when you see this sort of situation, I'm, I imagine people are asking like when they may be able to, um, you know, when the destruction may end and may, when they may be able to, you know, restart their lives again. What do you hear from people? What are they saying? I'll tell you, countless people have come up to our news van asking what we know so far. Here's what it's looking like outside of this church. And I'll tell you, just as you mentioned, people looking for updates. They gather around this setup here right outside the church, and they're looking at their local news, watching and hoping to hear the latest on uh, the evacuations on their homes, people hoping to know from their family members. And this has been the case all morning long since about 4 a.m. today, people asking lots of questions. In fact, we have Nicole Reardon here. She actually uh, lives in a Paradise. When I asked you where you lived, where you live, actually, you told me, well, what's left of Paradise, right? Yeah, that's from all the pictures I've been sent on my phone. It seems like at least our area of Paradise is gone. Nicole, you spent the night here in your car. You were kind of turned away from this shelter. We, but we weren't turned away. We couldn't let the dog in, and my mom was uncomfortable 
without the dog, so we slept out in our car, but we are checked in here, so we can get help if we need it. Can you describe what you saw as you made your way to the shelter? Um, a lot of traffic, a lot of people trying to get where they need to go, people blocking the fire engines, which was really upsetting my mother and I because they could be going to save your home. Um, and at first coming down the hill, just seeing the fire going up. Where is your home? Is your home okay? Is your family okay? What do you know so far? As far as I know, I'm about 95% sure that my home is gone. Um, I was over behind Ace Hardware down in the valley where the fire was coming up. So we're pretty sure ours is gone. My mom is here with me and Bruiser. And we got little clothes, little food, but only enough for a couple days. What do you feel uh, to think that you're going to maybe go back to paradise and find out that your home isn't there? We're, we've pretty much resigned ourselves to it. We're hoping that our RV pad is still there so we can hook up a fifth wheel on there and do stuff. Um, we're, not, look, we're not expecting to find anything when we get there. All right, Nicole, good luck. Thank you. Now, uh, many concerns this morning at uh, this shelter. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of three of the American Red Cross shelters in Chico that are our capacity. People who are walking in this morning are being told that they should go to other shelters that are in place by other local organizations. But lots of concern because, while well, the highways are closed. There are no access to um, any motels or hotels in the area. In fact, the closest gas station to this shelter is about three miles away, is close until further notice because they are completely out of gas. I spoke with uh, the manager of that gas station this morning. He doesn't know when they will have more fuel. So again, Highway 99 closed, no access to hotels, motels, no gas. The concern here is what exactly are residents going to do if this area is uh, put under an evacuation order? Thank you so much, Carlos. Yeah, this is this is hard to imagine. And and speaking of highways, we have Natalie Burnell, who's actually in Calabasas, California, on the side of a highway. Natalie, what's happening there? That's right, Kimberly. Good morning. We are on the shoulder of the 101 freeway in Calabasas, where we cannot even get to the Woolsey fire that's burning just to the north of us. And I don't know if you just heard those sirens, but we had multiple emergency vehicles just pass us, zooming toward that fire, which is exploding. So we just lost Natalie there. She was on the side of a highway in Calabasas. And as Carlos had mentioned before, you know, um, the, the highways are blocked and the, the fires are out of control. So, so we're going to go to Clayton Sandell, who's also um, at a wildfire. He's in the Simi Valley. So I want to see where Clayton is and what's happening there. We are here at the Woolsey Fire in Ventura County, California. It is now more than 8,000 acres and still growing. And you can take a look around here and see what it has done to this neighborhood. Homes burned down. In fact, this house right here, neighbors tell us, was owned by a firefighter who is still out there fighting these fires, even though his family's home here has burned down and is a total loss. Now, as the sun has come up here again, uh, so has the wind, and that has been the problem here. The wind's kicking up huge gusts in excess of 50 miles an hour overnight. And when the winds are that fast and the flames are moving that quickly, firefighters have no way to get around this fire and set up a perimeter. They simply have to run ahead of it 
uh, get on the leading edge and try and figure out uh, ways to save homes. But obviously, with homes like this, they were not able to do that, but they are trying their best. Now, 75 homes, we understand, have been destroyed here. We're not sure if that number is going to go up as the day goes on. We'll have to wait and see. We are expecting more uh, hot, heavy winds today that could uh, kick these flames up in different spots. That's always a problem for firefighters during this Santa Ana wind season here in Southern California. Uh, right now, 75,000 homes are under evacuation orders. So a lot of people out of their homes not able to get back and not sure when they're going to get back. And this is not the only fire burning in this area. The Hill Fire is burning just to the west of here. That is already up to 10,000 acres and shows no signs of slowing down. So still a very dangerous fire situation here in Southern California. Clayton Sandell, ABC News, Oak Park, California. Thank you, Clayton. And we're, we're certainly hoping that everyone stays safe out there as well as uh, the people who are residents. So as you know, yesterday there was another mass shooting in Thousand Oaks, California that left 12 people dead um, and the gunman is also dead as well. And so uh, I think as a country, we're understanding that this these mass shootings may become our new reality. Um, so Kana Whitworth was there all day and she's there as well now. And so I want to go to Kana and see what's the latest. Hey, Kimberly, it has been a horrifying 24 hours for the people here in Thousand Oaks. Uh, you can still see behind me there are authorities investigating. There's crime scene tape everywhere. But what we're also starting to see is ash actually falling from the sky because of the fires that are burning just right over there. So people who have now been evacuated from their homes in this area have nowhere to go after dealing with this community's first mass shooting. It's been terrifying. We were actually evacuated from our hotel early this morning and we were seeing people out in the lobby in their pajamas with their dogs. Uh, they had been evacuated from their homes. Many first responders are absolutely running on empty. They had to respond to this mass shooting and now they're having to respond to the fire. So it has been incredibly hard for this community to try and come together and grieve. Still, we saw lines wrapping around buildings, people trying to donate blood, people doing whatever they can to help these families heal and grieve. This is we're learning a lot more about the victims inside. I spoke with two men yesterday who lost two of their best friends. They worked security at the Borderline Bar and Grill, and here's what they had to say. I know that they, they did everything that they could in their final moments. We were told one of them uh, was he went out a hero. He, he went out fighting the shooter. And now today, Kimberly, his mother is calling for action. Listen to this. I don't want prayers. I don't want thoughts. I want gun control, and I hope to God nobody else sends me any more prayers. I want gun control. No more guns. And so again, it's been a harrowing 24 hours as police are investigating how Ian David Long, 28 years old, got to the point where he had to do this. We know his gun was purchased legally, but it had an extended magazine. He is, of course, a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. They're interviewing his family. The FBI went to his house yesterday. They're still searching for a motive. Kimberly. Thank you so much, Kena. Now we're going to, um, we'll continue coverage on that, of course, but I want to turn our attention now to the, the news on Trump, his new acting attorney general, since he ousted and fired 
Attorney General Jeff Sessions and now in places Attorney General Matt Whitaker. His past comments obviously around the Mueller investigation causing controversy. So I want to go to Karen Travers at the White House. Karen, what do you make of all of this? What are the concerns that we should have and what is Trump saying about all of well, this? Kimberly, the president is forcefully defending his choice to be the acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker. The president just about an hour ago was taking questions here at the White House and there were a lot of them about the Democrats' concerns and outrage right now over some of Matt Whitaker's past comments about the Russia investigation, which he now oversees as the acting attorney general. Here's what the president, well, actually, we'll go first to what Matt Whitaker has said recently, a couple comments that he's made about the Mueller probe. The truth is there was no collusion with the Russians in the Trump campaign. There is not a single piece of evidence that demonstrates that the Trump campaign had any illegal or even improper relationships with Russians. But I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. If all he did was make a mere suggestion and not an outright command, I don't think that rises to the level couldn't, of... Couldn't have been this... I just hope it doesn't turn into a fishing expedition because I will be one of the ones jumping up and down. Good for uh, you, yeah. Making sure the limitations on this investigation continue because that's the way it's supposed to be. It is not helping this administration and really not helping the federal government generally to have the president and his associates under the cloud of a federal investigation. I mean, it is, it is very hard. And Democrats are pointing to that to say he cannot be an impartial overseer of the Russia probe right now. Whitaker's also on the president's shortlist to permanently replace Jeff Sessions to be the next attorney general. Certainly, if the president were to nominate him, there would be a big, big uh, ruckus, I'm sure, by the Democrats up on Capitol Hill. But right now, they say because he oversees the investigation, he should recuse himself. Today, though, Kimberly, the president forcefully defending Whitaker, but also at the same time suggesting he doesn't know much about this man he has now put in this very consequential position. Here's what he had to say. I didn't speak to Matt Whitaker about it. I don't know Matt Whitaker. Matt Whitaker has a great reputation and that's what I wanted. I also wanted to do something which, frankly, I could have brought somebody very easily from the outside. I didn't want to do that. When Sessions left, what I did very simply is take a man who worked for Sessions. So there's the president just saying he was Sessions' chief of staff, so he moves him into this position, but he doesn't know him all that well. And Kimberly, he also said, if you had to look at everything everybody's ever said when they've done radio or television interviews or their tweets, then nobody would be in any positions here in Washington. Yeah, Karen, how long do you expect Matt Whitaker to actually be in this role? I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. picking a new attorney general is going to take some time. How long do you expect this to be happening? Well, first, sources say that he is not recusing himself from the Russia probe. That should be pointed out. And then sources also are saying the president isn't in any rush right now to name a permanent replacement for Jeff Sessions. Uh, he's perhaps even considering waiting until the Mueller probe concludes. And in the interim, then, it would be Matt Whitaker, who'd be at the helm of the Justice Department. He is on that short list right now, and sources say that the other names on the list are political allies, supporters of the president, uh, names like Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, Chris Christie, who of course is an ABC News consultant, but also a very close confidant of the president and a former federal prosecutor. Another name on that list is the Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi. Kimberly, another thing to think about. The president could hold off, wait and uh, announce a nominee after the new Congress comes in in January, because at that point he will have a larger Republican majority to try and get this confirmation through. All right, Karen, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
All right, so now, as you know, there's still a lot of confusion about those midterms that happened just a couple of days ago, but there's no better person to help us sort these out than ABC News political director Rick Klein. Rick, thanks for being here. Um, I just need to ask you, you know, we're going to start off with the state that everyone's talking about. What is happening in Florida? Kimberly, Florida is a mess, even messier than usual, because you have not one but two statewide races, the race for Senate and governor, that both could be headed for a recount. And the governor of Florida just last night filing a lawsuit against a couple of the counties, one in particular, Broward County, that is very familiar to anyone who remembers the 2000 presidential recount. This could actually be just as messy, if not messier, depending on where it heads from here. We have conflicting lawsuits in different directions. Tomorrow is the deadline for all of the counties to report their totals to the Secretary of State. And if the final margin in either or both of these races is within half a percentage point, then it is headed for a recount. It's actually even closer than that right now. It's, in, it's, it's inside a quarter of a percentage point, which under Florida law means a hand recount. So bring out those ballots and, and start examining them all over again. And of course, of course, we also have to ask you about Georgia and Arizona also making the news and on everyone's minds. Yeah, Georgia, we're going to hear more from plaintiffs in a potential lawsuit, people talking about this being disenfranchised. The concern there is that uh, voter suppression on the front end by Republican uh, officials and then on the back end, making sure those votes are counted. Georgia has an unusual law where you actually, you can't just beat the other candidate. You have to crack 50 percent. Uh, and it's still a possibility, although not a likelihood that the Republican didn't crack 50, which would lead to a runoff. As of now, that is going to be an uphill climb, though, for Stacey Abrams. Arizona is a bright spot for Democrats. Uh, a whole batch of votes were counted uh, from liberal areas of the state just yesterday and into overnight. And now, for the first time since election night, Kirsten Cinema, the Democrat, is actually numerically ahead of the Republican. We understand there still be the possibility of hundreds of thousands of uncounted votes. So we're not done there either. But as I said, that one is a little bit different in that you have the Democratic name first and not the Republican. And, okay, so the, the midterms were a couple days ago. And, you know, at that point, uh, People were saying when the election, when the results came in, that it wasn't so much of a blue wave because the Democrats didn't pick up as many seats as they said they were. But now we see that some more seats have actually flipped. So are we calling this a wave now? The storyline is definitely changing, Kimberly. And one big thing is you see races like one in, in outside Atlanta that just uh, fell for, uh, for, for the Democrats, another one in Washington state that just got called. We are seeing more of those suburban seats flip. The final number is likely to be in the high 30s for Democrats. Again, they only needed 23 to pick up the House. They always knew it was a tough map. Uh, this is going to be, in all likelihood, the largest number of Democratic pickups since right after Watergate, uh, when there was a real reaction against the Republican Party more than 40 years ago. So that makes it a big win for the Democrats. And, and I think between that and the Arizona results, if, if those stand, I think we start to talk about election night in a little bit of a different way. Yes, it was a mixed bag, but uh, I, the Democrats are happier with how this is going to land than they would have been just a couple of days ago. All right, Rick, thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us and for the for sorting it all out. Um, all right. And if you haven't heard, there's another creature making news right now. Right here in New York City, it's a duck, a mandarin duck. So I want to go to T.J. Holmes, who's out there in Central Park. T.J.? Yes, folks have been coming to Central Park, cameras in hand, trying to find a duck. Uh, there are a lot of ducks in Central Park, but there's one duck in particular that everybody has an interest in. And why? Well, take a look at it. The thing is gorgeous. Look at this. This is a rare mandarin duck is what it's called. It has these multicolored 
feathers. It looks like it has some suede on it. Got some emerald green, got some red. I mean, the thing is just gorgeous when you look at it. Well, it showed up about a month ago here in New York at the, um, at the pond. So it became a social media sensation at that point. So people started coming here really by the hundreds. They were lining the pond trying to get a shot of this thing. And so it became kind of our collective pet there for a little while. But lo and behold, last weekend, it disappeared. Nobody could find the duck. There was concern, maybe it left, which would have been fine, but also there was concern, maybe it was eaten. Uh, but then just yesterday, it showed up again and we could all breathe a collective sigh of relief. So the question still, how in the world did the thing get here in the first place? It's native to East Asia. Nobody's thinking it made the trip here on its own. So it's possible that it was someone's pet. So it's, it's a domestic animal, it's not a wild animal. So we don't necessarily know how it's going to react, how it's going to behave, but no one thinks it's actually uh, going to migrate. So it might be home. This is it here in New York. Um, so it might have escaped or somebody just let it go. But either way, everybody is appreciating it. So far this morning, people are out with their cameras. I do see them, but not a sighting of the duck. I'm sure it'll show up at some point today. But our pet is back, Kim. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Yes, a sigh of relief and also a sigh of relief because the week is over. Guys, if you want to stay updated on the headlines, you can go to abcnews.com or, of course, go to the app. But until then, thanks for joining us. I'm Kimberly Brooks. Have a good weekend.